0: You are listening to No PC Allowed, a.k.a. No Political Correctness Allowed. I am Mac Iverson. What do you call 100,000 lawyers at the bottom of the ocean? A good start. That's an oldie but goodie. William Shakespeare wrote, First thing we do is kill all the lawyers. Those suggestions may seem just a tad extreme, but after listening to this podcast, you may start to think it's not extreme enough. Eagles' Don Henley and Glenn Frey wrote these lyrics to a song called Get Over It. I turn on the tube, and what do I see? A whole lot of people crying. don't blame me. They point their crooked little fingers at everybody else, spend all their time feeling sorry for themselves. Victim of this, victim of that, Your mama's too thin and your daddy's too fat. Get over it, get over it. All this whining and crying and pitching a fit, get over it, get over it. You say you haven't been the same since you had your little crash, but you might feel better if they gave you some cash. The more I think about it, old Billy was right. Let's kill all the lawyers, let's kill them tonight. You don't want to work, you want to live like a king. But the big bad world doesn't owe you a thing. Get over it. Get over it. For Americans, lawyers were supposed to be the guardians at the gate. No one man, no single group, could arbitrarily direct our lives. The great irony is, they're the ones doing it to us. Alex de Tocqueville wrote that our greatest weakness as Americans was to live as strangers apart from the rest. If we lost our American bond, then authority and social control would rise elsewhere. And arise it did in the clammy hands of our liar lawyer class. The rule of arbitrary law was never meant to usurp our community bonds. Law to be respected must be many things. It must be known. It is not. Ask ten lawyers the same question, and you will get ten different answers. The law must be fair. It is not. Smokers sue tobacco companies when they get cancer and make millions, and petty drug offenders serve hard prison time. The law should be reasonable. It is not. Rules can keep a lousy teacher in the classroom for many years. The law should provide for just compensation. It should not unfairly enrich the players. But class action suits, especially, enrich the lawyers, not the recipients of so-called awards. The law should compensate fairly based on actual guilt. It does not. In 1998, a road rage incident in New York left a passenger with severe brain damage. The victim's family received $47 million in damages, but not from the other driver. Enterprise Rent-A-Car paid 100% of it. That sounds nuts. America's justice system is based on Roman law, for controlling barbarians at the gate and those inside the gate, not for maintaining law and order in a modern society. But this shadowy Roman-based law serves as a firewall between the rulers and the ruled. There's something known as legal precedent, also known in the legal world as stare decisis, or stand by decided matters, or rules from a prior case remain in place. This is a perfect argument for our corrupted rulers because, obviously, nothing changes. Their undeserved privileges remain untouched. Another principle that has been used and abused is binding authority, in which a higher court dictates to lower courts, thus putting implacable decisions into still fewer and fewer hands. I'm quoting this from an article in the Federal Observer. In light of the fairly recent U.S. Supreme Court SCOTUS decision to define marriage from the high bench, it is quite easy to understand how thoroughly absurd both precedent and binding authority are. Here we have a SCOTUS that has unlawfully arrogated power unto itself to make such an unconstitutional ruling on homosexual marriage, which then serves as a precedent with binding authority. This particular example of judicial overreach and unlawful activism shows how profoundly flawed the whole system is. One Supreme Court Justice, Anthony Kennedy, essentially settled the issue of same-sex marriage for the entire country. Never in the annals of Supreme Court decisions, with the exception of the equally flawed Obamacare ruling unlawfully swung by Chief Justice John Roberts, has the system so flagrantly shown its inherent flaws? American law has now become the laughingstock of the world community of nations overturning millennia of tradition and scriptural authority while ignoring the common sense of natural law and human reason that proceeds by divine ordination now we are seeing where American society has been devastated by such lofty legal manipulations by the highest court in the land. This is precisely how lawyers working through the highest court in the land are destroying civil society. They are doing it by misinterpreting one law at a time, one improper ruling a month, or one bad decision a day. In point of fact, Both the civil and criminal justice systems operate in a manner that is quite similar to a very closed, integrated, and horizontal monopoly. Because the attorneys who make up the judiciary both enforce and adjudicate from the bench, they can insist on compliance from all the various players of this legal game. They can exert a terrible amount of control and influence over state attorneys and prosecutors, defense counsels, and public defenders. In some cases, activist judges are prone to making new law faster than state legislatures are able to. Again, the key point is that the lawyers, attorneys, practically own and operate every aspect of society given the many aforementioned roles. In so doing, they have learned how to press the proper buttons and pull the right levers of power to guarantee Their desired outcomes. They also have become particularly expert in manipulating the media to get their great advantage. They also exert an extraordinary degree of control over their clients, both personal and corporate. They likewise yield an enormous amount of influence within city, county, state, and national governments. In essence, the attorneys and lawyers of the world run the whole government show. Without them, The entire planetary civilization would stop dead in its tracks, which is exactly the way they set this little game up. It's also known as job insurance. Because of this vast disconnect, America has become a lawless nation. The USA has literally descended into such a chaotic condition of legal anarchy that the very republic is under extreme threat. At the end of the day, it will be the lawyers and attorneys, politicians, and lobbyists who have contributed to the greatest degree to America's demise because of how easily compromised they have become over several decades. The current state of affairs could not be avoided. The American people made their first major mistakes by investing so much power in the town lawyer, in the local attorney. They made an even bigger error, by elevating them into all the positions of power throughout the land. Truly, there is no greater disaster that the United States of America is now facing than the treason lawyers and traitorous attorneys who pretend to be advocates of we the people. There are more than 3.1 million lawyers in America today, and they produce some 40 million lawsuits each year. Many completely frivolous, but they are often settled because it can be much cheaper than defending against them in court. So, it is out-of-control legal extortion. Robert Mueller's sham investigation of President Trump lasted over a year. A witch hunt meant to do nothing more than intimidate others who may also get too big for their britches. That, according to the Deep State Mafia, but you did not hear it from them. The legal profession is so screwed up in so many ways. Where to begin? The idea that we are all created equal leaves a huge gaping gap between being born that way and growing up in a similar way. Equality, let alone perfect equality, is a pipe dream. Equity, or equality of outcome, is a scam for the simple-minded that benefits the rich and powerful, and hurts minorities. Our human gifts proceed directly from God, and man cannot prevent their unequal distribution. Plus, there's a little old thing called hard work. As long as there are lazy people, there will never ever be equality, let alone equity. It cannot be evenly distributed. It is a mathematical impossibility. Law becomes perverted, in the attempt, and billions of people have been slaughtered over the centuries in the vain attempt to achieve this rainbow and unicorn fantasy. Just look at Stalin's political purges and Mao Zedong, or Mouse Dung, as I like to call him, his great leap backward. Here's an example from America. No child left behind should be renamed No Child Gets a Competent Education. By having everyone just tread water so that the slower ones can keep up, everyone gets dumbed down so they can all drown together. Now that's what I call equality of outcomes. Our Bill of Rights does not mean unbridled and endless evolution of extra-constitutional rights over time. No, 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 no. It is there to protect us against Government intrusion. Period. But today, well over some 1,000% of the population belongs to some protected group. That's right, I said over 1,000%. They overlap, in other words. The Reverend Jesse Jackson did well for himself when he was shaking down businesses for so called civil rights violations. The result was a nation of businesses that fear hiring qualified minorities given the legal ramifications of disciplining or firing them. The ultimate winner of all this equality in action is the opposite of what you may expect. The winner is government and lawyers, and it's freedom that disappears. This affects freedom to teach and competency teaching, training, in the classroom as well. In her book, The Case Against Lawyers by Katherine Cryer, she reports that in July 1999, Reason Magazine published a teacher's lament, Why Johnny Can't Fail, the author, Jerry Justness. It begins I confess, I'm a grade inflating teacher guilty of social promotion. I have given passing grades to students who failed all of their tests to students who refused to read their assignments, to students who were absent as often as not, to students who were not even functionally literate, I have turned a blind eye to cheating and outright plagiarism and have given A's and B's to students whose performance was at best mediocre. Like others of my ilk, I have sent students to higher grades, to higher education, and to the workplace unprepared for the demands that would be made of them. Justness asserted that all our talk of reform is meaningless because we are no longer willing to honestly evaluate our students. He blamed not only the teachers and administrators, but also the government and parents for the situation. Americans want quality education, but when lower grades and higher failure rates reach their own children's classes, they rebel and schools relent. Americans hate public education because standards are so low, but love their local schools because their children perform so well there. Justness says that parents are happier, students better behaved, and teachers less burdened when everyone goes along to get along. Students build self-esteem, parents gain peace of mind, and schools save money. He described his own heartbreaking experiences as he tried to teach if he graded honestly, the parents complained and the principal found fault with his teaching. If he disciplined a child or sent someone to the office, the event was noted in his record as an inability to handle students. He was fired several times before he began to toe the line. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry when Justice talked of teaching Hamlet to an unwilling or incapable audience. If you demand... That your charges read and understand the play most will fail and you will be blamed if you drop hamlet and convert the class into a remedial reading course you will be out of compliance with the curriculum if you complain that your students are not up to the mandated task you will be labeled insensitive and uncaring he suggested several alternatives read it to them if they can't sit still get it in comic book form, or rent the movie. Test with true or false, fill in the blank, or maybe let them do an art project or draw a picture. Keep dropping the standard, and sooner or later, everyone will hit it. If anyone asks how you taught Hamlet in a non-conventional way, one that took into account your students' individual differences and needs, as he inflated his students' performances, his own evaluations soared about the time he abandoned all honesty, he was regularly classified as clearly outstanding. Grades are educational, quality control, and passing grades prove that teachers, student, and school are successful. Therefore, the best teachers are those who give the highest grades, and the best administrators are those who can convince their teachers to do so, he said. The lawyers have ensured we cannot discipline and fixed standards may be discriminatory. This is the legal perversion of education. This is sad. If it were not for this legalistic strangulation of government schools, and teachers had freedom to create dynamic learning in their classrooms, and we actually had high expectations, the kids would rarely disappoint. Also, Many parents are terrified of their kids exposed to unsafe playgrounds, for example, but the schools these kids go to routinely abuse them with crazy, woke idiocy in their curriculum, and these same idiot parents have nothing to say about it. Unreal. There is also the tyranny of regulations or laws without legislation. In 1936, There were 2,411 pages in the Federal Register, the assemblage of all new federal pronouncements. Today, there are about 75,000. Why so many? In his last two months in office, Bill Clinton added about 29,000 pages to the Federal Register. Did we desperately need them right before he left office? No. Clinton clearly was manipulating federal agencies to accomplish what couldn't be achieved through legislation. The procedural task of overturning rules is so difficult that presidents can count on a large number of these final regulations surviving or at least frustrating a successor for years to come. Increasingly, criminal laws really hurt the innocent more than the criminals and in subtle but heartbreaking ways. Catherine Cryer continues in her book, The way we manage our lives has been forever changed by the perception of rampant crime. It creeps insidiously into the most benign activities. We all recognize the dark thoughts that appear each time we send our children off to school, head to the parking lot after dark, or double lock our doors before retiring. Halloween has all but disappeared as a joyous, mischievous romp through darkened neighborhoods. Who, in his or right mind, would risk a little necking at the lake or overlook? Even camping in remote regions is not undertaken without trepidation. It is not the animal, but the human predators we truly fear. The fear that permeates our homes and streets is palpable. It is fear of each other and fear of our kids. Male relatives don't cuddle their little nieces and nephews to avoid possible misinterpretation. Teachers don't touch students for the same reasons. In fact, it is wise to ignore small children entirely if they are not your own. The scales of justice seem to tilt not from the weight of evidence, but from money and status. Concerns that once shadowed lives in the inner cities now follow us all through urban areas and affluent suburbs right into the most rural communities. We are spending billions on private security services, more than is spent on all local, state, and federal police. Unquote. We have reached a point where almost no federal action is deemed improper. This list is exhausting and too long to even scratch the surface here, but it is totalitarian in its ambition. Beginning with FDR's New Deal, or Raw Deal as I call it, That was the death knell of Thomas Jefferson's ideal of a minimalist government. Today, legal battles are all about winning rather than seeking the truth or doing the right thing. Each time this occurs, new case law emerges, becoming precedent for further perversion of long-standing legal principles. Action steps, number one. Forsake the fallacy of equality, especially of results. It is the death knell for competition, innovation and creativity. There are few things worse and more deceiving than this. Number 2, understand that problems require people for solutions, people who are good at their jobs and enjoy helping others. Number 3, know that mere enforcement of our present constitution allows us to change America immeasurably for the better and we can regain control overnight. And number four, just one person can make a massive difference. So please fully commit to getting involved yourself now. To finish the Eagles song, get over it. It's like going to confession every time I hear you speak. You're making the most of your losing streak. Some call it sick, but I call it weak. Yeah, you drag it around like a ball and chain. You wallow in the guilt. You wallow in the pain. You wave it like a flag. You wear it like a crown. Got your mind in the gutter, bringing everybody down. You bitch about the present and blame it on the past. I'd like to find your inner child and kick its little ass. Get over it. Get over it. You've been listening to No PC Allowed. I am... Mac Iverson. We will meet again next week and every week.